everyone! Welcome to the Live Pono Love Pono podcast. We are a podcast that focuses on creating and building healthy relationships. Love Pono's mission is to provide a safe environment to help the community build and maintain healthy relationships through education, intervention, campus and community resources, and counseling. We educate our community through events, social media campaigns, and workshops to cultivate a campus culture of responsibility and respect, ultimately preventing interpersonal violence. We're excited to have you here today for today's podcast. Aloha to all of our listeners. I am Summer, a Love Pono assistant here at Leeward Community College, and I'm very excited to bring this topic to you today. We at Love Pono feel very honored and privileged to have the opportunity to speak with Melanie Sperling from the One Love Foundation on the topic of domestic violence and the holidays. Hi, Melanie. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. And would you mind giving a brief introduction of who you are and what Love One Love is? Definitely. First, thank you so much for having me on, Summer. Um, My name is Melanie, and I'm the Director of Partner Success at the One Love Foundation, and I was the second employee at One Love back in 2014, and we're now a team of almost 60 employees, which is very exciting. We have five regional offices, and we're growing really, really quickly, Um, so we're really happy about that, to be spreading this message. Um, One Love was founded to honor the unnecessary and tragic death of Yardley Love, by engaging young people through compelling and relatable films and really honest conversations around healthy and unhealthy relationship behaviors. So Yardley's family learned during the trial of her death. So she was killed in May of 2010, just two weeks before she was supposed to graduate from college. Um, Her family learned during the trial that there were signs that she was in an abusive relationship that they didn't recognize and that she didn't recognize and that her friends didn't recognize. And none of them had the resources to recognize what was going on and what was happening. So, you know, relationship abuse, it affects all of us. Over one in three women, nearly one in three men, and one in two trans or non-binary people will experience relationship abuse in their lifetime. That is a huge percentage of the population. This is, you know, a public health issue. And relationship abuse negatively impacts both mental and physical health. So while the statistics are so high, this is such a common problem, it's really interesting that we're actually never taught how to have healthy relationships. And even more than that, the examples that we see in our lives and in pop culture and in movies often aren't actually healthy. So that means unhealthy behaviors are being modeled for us as, you know, the appropriate way to love. So One Love, we are a preventative um, education organization. And while there are many victim services and survivor services organizations that do such incredible work, it's our hope to reach people before they're ever even in an abusive relationship. And we really believe that if we can educate young people and activate our communities around understanding the signs of unhealthy relationships, we can change the statistics of abuse and create a world of healthier relationships. Thank you for sharing, Melanie. I I know that us at Love Pono, we really like using One Love Foundation resources. Like there's a lot of helpful um, articles and I think we did several podcasts with um, other people at uh, One Love, so we're really Mm -hmm. fond of uh, One Love Foundation, what your message is. 
And um, without further ado, let's get straight into our topic. Today, we look at the connection of domestic violence and the holidays as we near the start of the holiday season. Would you mind telling us what is domestic violence? So domestic violence and relationship abuse can take many forms, including emotional, sexual, financial, and physical abuse. And additionally, it includes threats of abuse. So abuse by a partner, it can happen to anyone. Um, a specific type of abuse that I, I always like to call out is coercive control, because coercive, coercive control can be especially difficult to spot. And what it is, is it's a strategic form of emotional abuse used to instill fear and break down a person's autonomy and self-esteem and ultimately control a person. It's a pattern of behavior that seeks to take away another person's liberty or freedom and to strip away their sense of self. And this can look really, really difficult to spot because it is a form of emotional abuse. Um, and to be more specific, it can look like limiting someone's access to money or controlling your financial state. It can look like monitoring your communication, controlling who you're talking to. It can look like constant belittling, belittling about what you're wearing, what you're doing, what you're eating. It can, it can do with controlling your health, controlling how much you sleep, how much you eat, regulating your sexual relationship, and then also just isolating you from others. So controlling whether you take the car or not, controlling who you see. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the statistics here are so, so high um, and for intimate partner violence or domestic violence. Again, it's over one in three women, nearly one in three men, and one in two trans or non-binary people who experience abuse in their lifetime. Thank you. And as we talk about the holiday season, um, we saw that there was statistics that there's spikes in calls of domestic violence uh, complaints. Um, what are some reasons why there might be a spike for that? Yeah, it's it's so unfortunate. You know, there are so many risk factors that can increase the risks of domestic violence. And some examples of that are things like financial pressures. And we know that around the holidays, there are special financial pressures around buying flights and traveling and buying gifts. And so that can really um, increase risk factors. Um, additionally, whatever's going on in the economy or job loss, that can really increase um, domestic violence. Additionally, around the holidays, we see an increased use in, in alcohol. And that's something that we know um, spikes the prevalence of domestic violence. And then, you know, just increased general stress. Um, so for example, in the holiday season during COVID, like being locked down in your home during the pandemic, being unable to leave, job loss, increased drinking, all of these things um, increase the risks of domestic violence. Thank you for sharing it. And I, <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought up the alcohol usage, because I remember I read a couple articles, um, in research of this topic. And I was like, oh my God, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> because there is alcohol at parties. Like, hello, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Definitely. And, um, from the domestic violence assessment, Cons consulty training organization, they introduced how uh, domestic violence actually doubled in the pandemic, in the heat of the pandemic in 2020, in comparison mm -hmm. to the year before. So 
the pandemic really put a strain on um, what we were already seeing. And of course, we've heard um, before in the pandemic, like even when the pandemic first started, not even in the holiday season, there was already a start of increase in domestic violence. Um, So it would only be natural to see an even higher spike in the holiday season. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really important to focus on, especially because we're still technically in the pandemic, (laughs) even though things are easy. Definitely. And in 2021, the UN published a report that showed how since the pandemic, violence against women increased to unprecedented levels. Um, And domestic violence cases increased by 25 to 33% globally. So again, like you said, in COVID, this was an incredibly stressful time, especially in the heat of like the height of lockdowns. So in addition to lockdowns, there was a financial downturn. There were a lot of job losses. Um, people were, you know, schooling their children from home, lots of childcare issues. Family members were sick. You know, there was an inability to see friends, to see family members. People's routines were disrupted. Again, like we said earlier, huge increase in alcohol use in COVID. We saw a massive spike. And these are all just really key factors in an increase in violence that we see. And um, on the topic of the pandemic, uh, we saw that a lot of people retreated into the digital space. That may be a good or bad thing, (laughs) Um, but could you um, kindly say what are some unhealthy behaviors in the digital space someone should be mindful of? Yeah. Yeah, so unhealthy relationship behaviors often go unrecognized because people don't have the tools to identify them. Again, like I said earlier, we're never actually taught what are what is the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationship behaviors. And so that's why at One Love, we created this foundation of the 10 signs of a healthy relationship and the 10 signs of an unhealthy relationship. And our belief is that if everyone can have this common language, then we're all better able to stop the spot the signs and label um, label something when we see that it's unhealthy. So, a few key unhealthy signs to look out for in the digital space. The first one that comes to mind for me is guilting. So, guilting is one of our ten unhealthy signs, and it's when someone makes you feel responsible for their actions or makes you feel like it's your job to keep them happy and. They might blame you for things that are out of your control and make you feel bad for them. So this can include threatening to hurt themselves or others if you don't if you don't say what they want you to say, if you don't stay with them. They might also pressure you to do something that you aren't comfortable with by claiming, you know, this is so important to me and it would really hurt my feelings if you if you didn't do this. So some examples in the digital space specifically are you know, claiming someone didn't respond quickly enough to a text message or expressing disappointment if someone doesn't comment on all of your pictures or all of your posts or sending unwanted explicit photos to someone with the expectation that they'll respond in the same way or something we see a lot is pressuring someone to send explicit photos saying, you know, you're my girlfriend. Why wouldn't you do this? Like, would you not trust me? Um, you know, this is just, this is something that I need and really just guilting someone into doing something that they aren't comfortable with. And uh, would you mind saying some healthy ones on the other hand? (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of some healthy ones, a first one that comes to mind is trust. So trust is having the confidence that your partner won't do anything to hurt you or ruin the relationship. It's, it's knowing that they have your back and your best interest. So in the digital space, for example, if you decide to share your passwords or share locations or share explicit photos, it's having a conversation about what that means to each of you and how you can ensure that there's trust there. Um, trust is also, you know, knowing whether someone you're in the early stages of dating um, is exclusively dating you. Or are they still on dating apps? Are they seeing other people? Having that as an open conversation um, and just generally knowing the person you're talking to won't screenshot your texts or send them to people or share intimate photos, um, whether you're together or whether you, whether you break up. Um, so trust is really, really important. Um, but another unhealthy sign I want to talk about, cause it comes up a lot is, is possessiveness. So possessiveness is when someone is jealous to a point where they try and control who you spend time with and what you do. And while jealousy is actually a really normal human emotion, everyone feels jealousy, it becomes unhealthy when it causes someone to control or lash out at you. So this can mean a partner getting upset when you text someone else or hang out with someone else that maybe they're threatened by. It can look like a partner wrongly accusing you of flirting or cheating or even going so far as to stalk you. Um, and possessiveness is often excused as being overprotective or someone saying, oh, I'm just so passionate about you. That's why I'm acting this way. Um, online, it can also look like pushing a partner to delete a post or delete a picture or asking them not to post. Um, or it can look like tracking someone's location without their consent. So, you know, going into their phone um, sharing location without them knowing it. So that's another, another unhealthy sign. And I really liked how you brought up how jealousy is different from possessiveness, because I think a lot of people get confused when it comes with the two. Um, and they don't, it's hard to differentiate like between what's a normal human emotion and reaction versus what is really unhealthy. So I really appreciate the clarification. It's really important. Yeah. And I think a good kind of test to that is, again, it's normal to feel an emotion like jealousy, but it's then this question of, okay, what do you do with that emotion? Do you try and control your partner or do you engage in like healthy conflict and have a conversation? And healthy conflict is another one of our 10 healthy signs because, you know, every single relationship has conflict. It's just a question of whether that conflict is handled in a healthy or an unhealthy way. And so healthy conflict is openly and respectfully discussing issues, confronting disagreements non-judgmentally, explaining, you know, it made me feel really jealous when this happened. And I wanted to let you know that. And, you know, what do you think about that? And really opening up that conversation. And I think like um, all of these issues or like the ways that, um, people act in the digital space is kind of really specific to how the pandemic has been. I mean, we've, we've already had uh, a lot of technical conversations with people because we have technology use and it's so common because we use our phones every day, right? Um, but I think with the pandemic, 
especially when we are in lockdown, a lot of people were separated from each other and that was like the only way to communicate. So there's, of course, a lot of problems that can arise out of that. Um, so I think that this is really important to talk about because we are still, I mean, we're Zooming right now. <laughs> like, this is pretty normal for us to be oh, in a wow, virtual space. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine a world without Zoom. Like, honestly. Me neither. neither. It's so wild. (laughs) Well, on the other hand, uh, how would you help a friend through these hard times if you see a friend going through these these problems? Yeah, how to help a friend is so important. And it's a part of the reason why I actually got involved in One Love in the first place, because I had some really close friends who were in abusive relationships. And I thought that I was being helpful. But in hindsight, I was actually being really destructive to the situation. You know, I was trying to shake my friends and say, what are you doing? He's the worst. Why are you with him? This makes no sense. Um, And while I thought that was the right thing to do, what I know now was that was not being supportive of my friend. That was actually trying to control them, trying to get them to do what I wanted them to do. And so what I love about One Love is that it's really opened my eyes as to how can I actually help a friend who's in an unhealthy or abusive relationship. And so first, it's really important to trust your gut. If you sense that something is off with a friend's relationship, it is worth starting that conversation. Don't hold that in, like better safe than sorry. So the first step is to calmly start a conversation on a positive note. Find a time to talk to your friend in a one-on-one or private setting. So don't call them out in front of their partner. Don't call them out in front of a large group pull them aside and say, you know, how are things going? Like, I see that you and your partner have been spending a lot of time together. Like, tell me about it. And start it off on a really non-judgmental, positive note. It's really important to be supportive and to listen to your friend and to let them open up on their own terms. Now, I think what's very tricky is talking to your friends about the things you saw that you thought were unhealthy. And what can be tempting is to say, you know, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, they're abusive. They're the worst. When they did that, they were horrible. Why are you with them? But again, that's similar to what I tried to do many, many years ago. And that did not work. Um, That was not being supportive of my friend. And what I should have done is focus on the unhealthy behaviors instead of focusing on the person. So let's say my friend is in a relationship with someone named Dan. Um, Instead of saying, you know, Dan is the worst, he's abusive, why are you with him? I could say, you know, I saw that Dan took your phone and was going through your text the other night. Like that felt a little off to me, but I'm curious, like, how did you feel about that? Like, what's what's going on there? Is everything okay? So calling out the behavior that they did and ask questions about it and be really, really open. Keep the conversation friendly and not preachy and never place blame on your friend. Don't say things like, I don't get why you're with them. I don't get why you would stay with them. This makes no sense to me. Um, But really allow your friend to make their own decision. So say, I am here to support you. You know your relationship better than I do. I just want you to know that you deserve the best. And some of the things that I'm seeing cause, cause me to be concerned, but I'm here to support whatever you choose to do. And then offer solution to your friends. Like, Suggest that they talk to a chat line or a hotline or 
some resource, a therapist, someone to just gut check what they're feeling by a professional. Um, you don't need to be in a crisis situation to reach out to one of these resources. Um, and then lastly, and I think the most important and also most frustrating part about helping a friend is you can't help your friend in one conversation. Expect many, many conversations over many, many months because you can't force your friend to leave an unhealthy situation. That needs to be a decision that they come to on their own. But it's really important that you are there to support them throughout, um, that you are there to be a non-judgmental person for them to lean on and continue offering to them the resources that exist, um, but trusting that they will make their own decisions. Thank you. Everything that you're saying, I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. And thank you for being so candid about that. Because I feel like I'm the same too. Like, I'm not yeah. a perfect person. I, I have a lot of faults. Um, but like, I did try to learn a little bit more and how to help my friends. And I think that's amazing that you did too. Um, and of course, anyone who's listening, it's okay to grow. Like, you know, if you make mistakes, you can still learn from it. Um, so I think that that's really amazing. And I'm really glad that you shared that because I think a lot of people can relate. Um, and also like, thank you for sharing all of that because I think that at least for me and like what I've seen with my friends, I know that there's a lot of um, times where like we see like a little bit of red flags with someone's partner or even someone's friend. Like, um, yeah. and sometimes we don't know how to like handle that. Um, it can be really like, uncomfortable sometimes um okay. to like even address it if they don't feel like they'll have a like you know actual conversation what should someone do if like um they kind of just like shut down the topic altogether that's a great question and that will happen often and I think when someone shuts down the topic I think what you want to say is like I I trust you and I'm here to support you and end the conversation there and then at another time, pick the conversation back up. It will not be a productive conversation if someone is completely not open to speaking about it. Another thing you can do is maybe you have another friend or maybe you know their sibling or someone who they might be more receptive to hearing from. Like maybe you aren't as close with this person as one of their other friends is. And you can pull another friend aside and say, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about this person's relationship. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but I just wanted to connect on that. Like just between you and me, like very private conversation here. Is this some anything you've seen or noticed? Um, because we look back again at our founding at Yardley's story and a lot of her friends during the trial, they got up on the stand and they were all talking about these different signs that they saw that something was off, but no one connected the dots. You know, people don't want to gossip about their friends and people assume, you know, not my relationship, not my business, but when it comes to someone's safety or when it comes to a friend that you really are concerned about, it is worth kind of checking in with some of their other close friends and saying, you know, is this something that you're seeing as well, just to have other friends help look out. And then additionally, two other things. One, I'm so happy you brought up friendships because the 10 signs of a healthy relationship and an unhealthy relationship those are also applicable to friendships. And we see all the times unhealthy things are happening in friendships, friends not respecting boundaries, friends belittling one another. And I think, again, using the language to call out the behaviors as you see them is the best way to approach that. Um, 
And then lastly, the same goes with a friend who you see being abusive or who you see doing an unhealthy thing. You know, at the end of the day, 100% of us are in relationships, whether that's friendships or romantic relationships, and 100% of us are going to do unhealthy things from time to time. And so I think holding each other accountable and calling out, you know, I think what you said was actually like belittling him or belittling her. Like I would just, you know, ensure that you're approaching a friend and kind of calling out, like, I'm sure this isn't, this wasn't your intent, but I think the impact of what you just said was like pretty harmful and opening up that conversation. And I think like, I think that's like one of the best things that you can do as a friend. I mean, that's very uncomfortable to do, like to bring up like, hey, bro, that was kind of, kind of mean. <laughs> but like, I think that it's really great because you care enough to want them to be better. And I totally. think that's really great. One thing I'll say about that too, in terms of, it can be so hard to call out a friend um, or to speak to a partner about something they did that hurt you. And I find that the language that is the most useful is using this like impact versus intent language and saying, you know, I am sure it was not your impact to make me feel this way. I'm, I'm sure it was not your intent to make me feel this way. But when you did X, the impact was that I felt Y. And again, like, you're such a good person and I so respect you. And that's why I want to tell you how that made me feel or how I think that made them feel. And really focusing on like, I'm assuming best intent, but the impact was negative. And so it's really important to talk about. Yeah, exactly. So I remember how you said that if you have like a gut feeling, you should go with it. I think that that's super important um, because usually your intuition might be correct. I think yeah. a lot of, or at least for me, I have a problem with that. Like sometimes I'm like, hmm, I think that was kind of strange, but maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah. But then I start regretting it later because I'll see it again and I'll be like, oh my God, I should have said something earlier. So I think that's super important. If you see something, say something. Yeah. And it's so interesting because what you just explained of like, I have a gut reaction and then I minimize it. That's so normal because in our society, that's genuinely what we're taught. Like when we're a kid and we fall down and scrape our knee, we're immediately told like, you're fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You're not hurt. You're okay. Or if we're, you know, if something feels scary to us, if we're, you know, a kid and walking and maybe there's a dark street and we have a gut reaction of like, Ooh, that's really scary. Often a parent says like, no, 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 nothing to worry about. It's fine. Let's go. And so again, we're taught from a young age that our gut reaction is something to ignore or push aside, or we're being sensitive, but really our gut reaction is like a very powerful human instinct that tells us so much. So if you have a gut reaction that something is off in your own relationship or in a friend's relationship, please, please, please investigate that further. Like just pause and look into it and trust yourself instead of feeling that you're just being sensitive or you're overreacting. Because often if you're having a gut reaction, that is leading you in the right direction. There is something there. I think like, as I'm learning how to be more in tune with myself um, mm -hmm. and my intuition, I think um something that I do, I'm not sure if it's like a a good thing to do or uh, counterintuitive, but um, I noticed that I, I try to ask myself, like, for example, like if I go to 
if I'm going to go out and then I have like a weird sinking feeling like something is going to happen, I have to like turn in and sit down and be like, why did I feel like this? Yeah. Like, uh, what is, what is giving me this reaction to be yeah. uncomfortable? Like, well, I... I'm not sure where this is coming from. Should I listen to it? <laughs> or yeah. am I just, you know, doing that? the overreaction thing like society taught me like I'm not really sure <laughs> um, yeah. so do you have like any uh tips on that like how to actually when to be like intuitive if that yeah. makes sense <laughs> well a few tips around that one is I am a huge proponent of therapy and I think that chatting with a therapist or connecting with someone on a regular basis who helps you better understand yourself is huge um but second of all, I really do think if you have a gut reaction, the best thing is to do what you did, which is like, let me pause. Let me assess, like, why could I possibly be feeling this way? Like what's going on? And maybe talk to someone you trust, whether it's like a parent or a sibling or a friend to try and decipher, you know, even just having a sounding board to maybe do some investigative work into like, why am I feeling this way? Is it you know, because I don't want to drink tonight? Is it because someone might be there who like, I don't want to see like, what is, is it because I need some rest? I've been completely overworking myself this whole week. Or do I just have like nerves? Cause there are going to be new people at this place and I'm nervous to meet them. Like you can have a gut reaction for so many different reasons. And it's, so it's just good to pause and try and do some of that like investigative research to understand why am I having that reaction? And once I understand that, what's my next step? If I'm just nervous about meeting some new people, let me push myself under out of my comfort zone and go to this party and meet these new people. Um, but if it's a gut reaction that I've been way overworked this week and I just don't feel well and I just want to go to sleep instead, then take that route. It's really just getting giving yourself the space to pause and reflect on like, why am I feeling this way? So that you can make a better informed decision around what you want to do next. Yes. And thank you for bringing up uh, therapy and trying to learn more about yourself. I'm not ashamed to say that I'm going to therapy. And I think that it's really helpful. It's been a really helpful experience for me. Of course, it hasn't been the most easy thing to do because I've had um, a lot of therapists. I It took a long time to get the right one. It's like wow. finding a, a new boyfriend or partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard. But once you get there, it's amazing. And I'm really great like I'm really happy to be learning more about myself even though I'm like 22 I'm finding out so much about myself I didn't even know I think that's kind of crazy because I'm like wow maybe I should have known that by now but I mean oh. at least I'm learning it now so it's right. a good thing I think it'll help me a lot um in like making decisions for myself yeah. especially about my safety um or like what I'm comfortable with so hopefully it can be helpful to other people too. Yeah, I think so. And um, do you have any last words for our listeners today? Um, a few things. I would say one, as we've been talking about, trust your gut. I think that's something that we all need to relearn. Um, know that there are so many awesome resources to contact for support whether you're in an unhealthy situation or have a friend or family member in an unhealthy situation, we always recommend loveisrespect.org, 
the National Domestic Violence Hotline, the Trevor Project. These all have like chat boxes, phone numbers that you can contact. Um, and then I would also recommend people look into One Love. You know, as of this past September, we've educated over 2 million young people through our workshops. Wow. Um, giving people the framework to understand and engage in healthy relationship behaviors online, in school, within their communities. And so I really recommend checking out One Love's education and our blogs and our PSAs. We just had launched three new PSAs around digital abuse and everyone can learn more at joinonelove.org and follow us on social media and just um, look more into the topic of relationship health. Because at the end of the day, the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships. And so you know, learning how to love and improving um, the healthy behaviors in our relationship, everyone can benefit from that. Thank you. And um, I'm looking at our Love Pono resources and links that we have in our link tree um, on our Instagram. And we do have some One Love Foundation links. We have an article on friendship, five requirements for strong friendship. That's what it's called. Uh, 10, 10 signs of a healthy relationship, 10 signs of an unhealthy relationship, five ways to love yourself better, and five small ways to avoid losing yourself in a relationship. So hopefully that that is something you would want to check out. And I'm sure that you can find a lot more <laughs> interesting things to read on there. Because, oh my God, you just said you added the digital abuse one too. I got to check that out. <laughs> I think I might even add it to the list. So it's just there because we, we just talked about it. So hopefully uh, they'll be able to find that and use it. And awesome. also we have other phone numbers that you can find helpful. We have the Domestic Violence Action Center phone number. Um, their, their free legal helpline on Oahu is 808-531-3771. And we also have the Trevor Lifeline, 1-866-488-7386. Um, and there's a bunch of other numbers you might find applicable to you and other Love Pono resources as well. Okay. <laughs> I think that just about wraps up our our podcast session today. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope that um, we have more <laughs> growing episodes with you um, and One Love Foundation. I'm really, really glad to have this because it's my first time with One Love. So I'm really happy. I'm really excited. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you, Summer. This has been so much fun. We at One Love are happy to chat anytime. We love having these conversations. Thank you so much. And I hope that um, everyone else finds this really helpful. And until next time, this is Summer, your Love Pono assistant, reminding you to love Pono, love Pono.